This is the Faith Ventures Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute, telling stories of Christians doing business for the glory of God. If you appreciate this program, support the nonprofit work of LCI by donating at libertarianchristians.com slash donate. And if you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcasts at libertarianchristians.com. Welcome again to the Faith Ventures Podcast, where we talk to businessmen, industrial people, and various entrepreneurs throughout our, our world today who are, who are Christians and doing great work in the marketplace. Today, my guest is Mr. Nick Lopez, the founder and steward of Lime Painting. It's interesting that he even describes himself on his uh, virtual business card as founder and steward. Uh, so Nick, welcome to the show. Really glad to have you here to talk about Lime Painting and what you do. Honored to be here. It means a lot that you know, you'd invite me on the show and looking forward to the conversation. Thanks, man. Well, we're definitely glad to have you here. First thing I want to kind of uh, get started with is what exactly is lime painting? How did you get started in this and what kind of inspired you to start this business and, and call yourself a steward throughout it all? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, lime painting is a national franchise company. Uh, lime stands for love, integrity, mission, and excellence. Uh, we're the nation's first and only and largest luxury painting company. Uh, we're standardizing what it means to receive a luxury paint project. So we work with commercial and residential clients that are in the top third of home values in a market. And we provide to them a service that is represented by quality with well, world-class service. So we have vetted highly uh you know high performance solutions uh and we pair clients with artisan uh laborers in the market so you can think of us a lot like uber black where customers want to upgrade and have a different experience than kind of what the general market or a general consumer would want i uh, you know and this all started for me back in college so i i started my career in 2008 uh, 15 years ago, uh, right middle of the Great Recession, I was pretty much, uh, you know, an out-of-state student. Uh, I'm from Denver, Colorado, and I went to school out-of-state at uh, Michigan State. Um, I actually took out a $500 credit card just to get my flight out to Michigan. So, you know, first-generation college <laughs> student, uh, packed my bag shoulder high, all my stuff in it, and, you know, I was off to college. Uh, I wrestled my freshman year and I looked at wrestling being uh, the way that I would pay for school. And my parents told me, hey, if you go to school out of state, you're, you're on your own. And they, <laughs> they lived up to that. So, you know, I maxed out all my credit cards that I could gather when I was 18. And, um, you know, next thing I know, I'm, I'm getting a, a tuition bill for $2,200 and you know, for me, that was so much money at the time. You know, I, it was clear that that wasn't sustainable at the time. Right. You know, I, I now have a wife, uh, four kids, and I met her my freshman year of college. Uh, she got to be uh, math uh, uh, tutoring for the athletic center. You know, I wrestled and I'd go in there every Thursday. And at the end of the semester, uh, I pretty much told her, hey, thanks for everything. And she Fred requested me on Facebook and <laughs> the, the rest is history. And uh, 
But my point is, she was gracious enough back uh, all the way back then, you know, even against her older sister's advice to give me $2,200 to stay in school. And that wasn't sustainable. So uh, I started a paint company called Spartan College Painters. And I did that for all five years of, of school. And that's where the bug uh, really hit me for this luxury painting. You know, I looked at the bigger the house, the bigger the college bills, it would help me pay. I had no idea I was stumbling on our high-end niche and got into my business degree, learned about positioning in the market through marketing classes. You know, if you're high price, high quality, that's your lane in the market. That's where you stay. You built the business around that positioning in the market. If you think about low price, low quality, you know, that's McDonald's, right? It's convenient. It's quick. It's easy. It, it, it fits its part in our lives. And we want to buy, you know, something that's quick and convenient. McDonald's is a great solution. Uh, for Lime, there were, are there, there was a national, uh, standardized paint company, franchise company, but they didn't specialize in this luxury market. Again, going back to big homes, big college bills. And, you know, these folks wanted to pay more to get more. They wanted quality. They cared about peace of mind and, and paying for a turnkey experience. And, you know, they don't want to overpay, but they don't mind paying for the value and the quality. And so that's exactly what we've done. We've standardized uh, a business model where other individuals can benefit from entrepreneurship. And, and do it by delivering our luxury service in their local market. It's an old school business. There's nothing new about it. We, we just tailor everything we do for a particular client and nobody else is doing it. And as a result, you know, we've been able to provide folks wanting everything that the American dream and entrepreneurship provides to somebody, but doing it through a franchise system where you know the blueprint is worked out, the branding is established, the support training, and the fellow franchise owners for collaboration are all there. Uh, you know, there's this whole world of franchising, over four thousand brands, and you know if it's legal, ethical, and makes money, it can be franchised. It's not just McDonald's or Chick Fil A. And so I had a mentor back in college give me a book called E Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. And that's where this whole idea of scaling through franchising, uh, you know, came about. And that was about 12 years ago. So everything since then has been about, uh, you know, creating infrastructure to scale and proving out the business model. Uh, so we did that up until uh, about 2018 when we onboarded our first franchise owners. Uh, 2020, we had seven owners in August of 2020. And uh, you know, we're coming up on a hundred locations here, uh, you know, in Q3 of, uh, 2023. Wow. Really? Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and a lot of that growth, you know, we had about, we had the majority of that growth, you know, 15 months thereafter from August of 2020, uh, we took about a year or so to pump the brakes and really catch up to our growth, went through some growing pains, uh, in, you know, built out our departments and established the team and, and just further matured as a franchisor. You know, when you're in the business of luxury oh, painting, yes. that's one thing. But once you become a franchisor, 
you're in the business of uh, helping other folks run their business. And yeah, that's, that's really been uh, an honor and, and a blessing. And um, yeah, it's a little bit about what I'm in and how I've gotten where I'm at right now. I have so many questions just as a, as a fellow businessman already uh, <laughs> in a manner. And so may, maybe I'll have to keep you on afterwards and we'll have to uh, talk a little more. But I, I do want to kind of focus in though on like, uh, for one thing, I love the fact that this, that the way this has grown for you has, uh, has really been because of a deliverance of great quality to your customers. And, that, and that's really, I think that matters a lot to our understanding of what it means to serve people in the free market is that when we when we engage in trade with other people, uh, we're doing so with you know with a measure of trust that we're delivering something that they want. And the fact that your your focus is that kind of we in, in my business we even call it cus- customer obsession is part of our values even and that's and that's obvious that in on your end as well. Uh, but like where it is as well that did you find that you know your your faith journey uh, has played a part in the way in which you <laughs> built Lime. I mean, clearly your your acronym is part of that. But how did kind of tell us a little bit about that, and how did you kind of come to that measure of understanding to where you even wanted to, to build that into your name? Yeah, I've I've always uh, pursued business as uh, a, you know business's mission, right? And yeah, I grew up. Uh, very involved in the church and it's just always been in me and you know I was blessed to have uh you know older folks around me teach me how to pray and build a relationship with Jesus Christ and uh you know no matter what I've done you know I've, I've always had a lot of reverence for uh for God and and uh in the blessing of life and very much look at myself as a warrior for christ and um you know a disciple and that's been ingrained in me from early childhood and um you know my life personally and professionally has just been a walk of faith and everything that i've been able to accomplish and where i'm at is a byproduct of uh, my relationship with Jesus Christ, my faith. So it's only natural that, uh, you know, Lime would be a values-based company. Uh, you know, Lime stands for love, integrity, mission, and excellence. And the mission is our give back. So that's our business's mission. That's where we use our business as a platform to give back and impact the communities that we serve. So we actually have a, a uh, 501c3 it's a public charity called Limelight Outreach. And that's just a turnkey way for our franchise partners in their local communities to uh, give back through the business. Uh, it's one thing just to serve and give back directly to you know, great nonprofits, but obviously being an entrepreneur, you know, we wanted to create an extension of our brand and operate in the market through Limelight Outreach. Um, but sure, that yeah. is, and that's... Uh, you know, a little bit about our mission and, and point of view toward what it means to steward a business and, and do business with other people and, and be intentional about a heart-led servant mentality where, you know, people are valued over profits and, and profits come inevitably. 
Yeah. Do you, do you think you, could you perhaps uh, tell us some, maybe a story or two about like maybe uh, the way in which like a big moment uh, where, you know, you're an encounter or an important part of your faith, like really made a difference to your business and, and to where, what that, what that interplay looks like. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know about one particular moment, but I can tell you about seasons. Okay. And then, you know, there have been seasons as a, as a business owner where, um, you know, it hasn't been all rainbows and butterflies and it's required, <laughs> it's, it's required a lot of faith. And yeah. in, in those seasons, you know, I can think about one in particular, I talked about launching Spartan College Painters in 2008, middle of the Great Recession. Think about the state of the world at that time. It was uh, very economically uh, depressed and uh, specifically in Michigan, a lot of what drives the economy there is the auto industry. And that was what was at the core of the 08 recession. So Michigan yeah. was was very economically um, hurting. And, uh, you know, there were so many foreclosure signs and, and short sales. Uh, it, was, it was unbelievable. But, um, you know, Michigan has these intense winters. And back then I would literally just go door to door and ask people to paint their home. And so, uh, you know, street by street, home by home, neighborhood by neighborhood, I would canvas and try to, uh, you know, get people to uh, agree for me to come back and give them a free estimate for painting their home. And you talk about a season of, of you know, relying on faith. Yeah, I, I remember just, you know, every door I'd go to, I was just believe, believe, believe. There was nothing that existed. And I, if anything, I was in debt and debt was growing from education and credit cards were maxed out. And, you know, yeah. my my livelihood, I had to pay for tuition and books and cost of uh -huh. living. And, uh, you know, that's a six-figure education. Uh, and, uh, you know, so... Thankfully, I have um, some pretty good blinders, and my self-talk is pretty good. And a lot of that <laughs> self-talk is is prayer. So, you know, my mother-in-law kind of coined it as whispering prayers. But when she told me that, it really hit home because I've spent my life doing these whispering prayers, just constantly praying uh, to God. And in uh, when I think about establishing my career in the space and really doing it to survive in college. Um, you know, it was just a season of a lot of faith, a lot of whispering prayers, a lot of, you know, needing to believe and, you know, just relying on uh, Christ pointing me in the directions and moving me in moments that would uh, get me to where I wanted to go. And so, yeah, I think back, pretty fondly about that time it built a lot of my character and um definitely strengthened my faith but there has been thousands of scenarios personally and professionally in my life where i've just had to to lean on on faith and and uh that's ultimately you know uh built who i am today that's cool and it's interesting to kind of think about it in terms of not just events, singular events, but in terms of seasons. So I appreciate that very much. That like 
that sort of walk of faith that you have to sometimes exhibit in the harder times of a business is is non-trivial. And I think a lot of people don't, because I mean, I've had some of those too, right? Yeah, and, and many people do. Um, but it's not always intuitively obvious just the way in which you're going to feel when you're in those scenarios. And it's and you do have to really rely upon God at those moments. So that's, that's really cool of, of a story there. And if you're uh, not having them, you're not thinking big enough. You're not challenging yeah. yourself. You're not breaking ceilings. You're not getting uncomfortable. Um, so, you know, as an as a entrepreneur, you're constantly pioneering and that means that you're operating in a lot of unknowns. And so, definitely, you know, it, you can turn those unknowns you know, and that fear and those questions into faith, which, um, you know, allows you to execute. Yeah. It, when I was in grad school, for instance, I, I, I always would talk about the way in which I had to operate off was just living in ambiguity. Uh, that was a, a phrase that I used frequently. And I think it kind of, prepared me in many respects for the ambiguous living that needed to happen in, in more entrepreneurial scenarios as well. So I can appreciate that. That's really good. So when you think about your experiences in the marketplace and the, what, you've, what you've learned, what you've accomplished, where you've succeeded, where you've failed uh, even, do you find that you've learned a lot about just the way the world works and the way in which God created this world and the marketplace around us, and the way, and 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 furthermore, do you find that that you see Christ, other Christians, your fellow believers, kind of misunderstanding the way this stuff really works? Um, and and what kinds of things have you observed there? And uh, and what would you you know kind of say we need to improve our minds upon uh, when it comes to these sorts of things about business and the market? Yeah, I think there's two realities, right? And um. You know, we live in the uh, in the period where you know Christ's work is done, but it's you know His kingdom's not yet come, um, and that's that's assuring in a lot of ways. But you know, two things come to mind. One, going back to Genesis, you know, the first thing God did was He assigned Adam to tend and work the garden. So yep. there's something very spiritual and holy and important with work and. Because. You know, we should work in a way that others look at us and want to know, you know, why is that version of work so different? And, you know, that ultimately is the light that we're providing to the world. And, you know, that reflection of what Christ looks like. Um, but the other thing that comes to mind is just the reality of um, the fall. And uh, that reality is that, you know, we're going to work and toil. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so, you know, we, we are in a broken fallen world. And, uh, as I mentioned, you know, Christ he is victorious, you know, he, he won, um, on the cross and what he did there, but, you know, his kingdom is not on earth yet. And so, uh, in the meantime, right, we're, we're, uh, acting as disciples and, and specifically in this context in the marketplace and, uh, there's just a lot of brokenness and that's the reality of, um, of people. And so I think a lot of, uh, compassion and forgiveness and patience goes into business. And, and so, you know, I think about that quite often and I'm reminded 
of that truth. Uh, so I, I would share that. Yeah, that's really valuable to kind of to think about is that the, this, the, as you mentioned, the two realities, the one with, we have an already and we have a not yet. <laughs> we have a, we have a, a, the, the way in which that the Lord has, has built this world where work matters, but also the fact that, that there's a, the reality of the fall, entropy, and things breaking down, and, and, uh, both in, in kind of a, the world around us and the physical, just little minute aspects of our being and, and the way we exist, but also in, you know, just with people. And there's that brokenness that needs that needs Jesus all the time. I would add to the fact that, you know, his word is done, which means we have his spirit and, mm-hmm. you know, the kingdom is in us. And that's the work that we do as disciples. Um, you know, we are living out the truths of um, Christianity and, uh, you know, it, obviously an extension of Christ. And that is victory and heaven-esque in itself, I think that point gets missed a lot that, um, you know, the work is done. And and yes, we're at a period of waiting, but there's a lot of joy and blessings in that truth uh, that we need to steward and live out as the light um, to this dark and fallen world. Yeah. And... I'm curious because, uh, you know, being in my, in my world of, you know, engineering and whatnot, we talk a lot about things like entropy and, and the way in which things did become disordered. And I'm, and, and that's like kind of maybe, you know, a highfalutin way on somewhat level uh, you know, where we term, where we bring in terminology to try and define uh, things in certain ways. But, you know, there's a real, the reality to that, that everybody kind of understands. It's why we even decide to do that is because of stuff just breaking down. And I'm wondering, do you have any thoughts kind of toward this breaking down nature of the world through like what you've observed in your own work, what with going about to houses where you're you're a major, the major part of your business is essentially up. I mean, it's upkeeping, it's repairing, it's improving, it's reversing entropy, if you will, into building something that's beautiful. And I'm curious as to, that, you know, do you see anything to that effect in, uh, what thoughts do you have with regards to kind of like that making things right, if you will? Does that motivate you or does that, uh, where, where does that kind of come into play? And, and I see your smiling, so I think you have something here. So, <laughs> yeah, 100%, right? That's service. And, and uh, business is all about people. And so that transformation of their home or that transformation of what they perceive a contractor as or the entrepreneurs that join line. The, the building of the entrepreneur, uh, the employees that are entrepreneurs are uh, staffing, you know, that building of results and high performance, right? One of our values is excellence. This is a high performance organization. There's a high standard. We're a luxury brand. And so, you know, having the processes and the systems to create excellence, you know, that is the work that we do. We change lives through entrepreneurship and we impact communities through our Mm -hmm. service and we serve through our business. Um, So that is, that is at the core of who we are. That's what we do. Um, You know, we talk a lot about working in beautiful places for beautiful people with beautiful people. And that's a, that's a state of mind. That's a way of life. That's the line way. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
Uh, so, you know, that's, that's the core of what we do. Um, we, we change properties, we transform them. We help clients fall in love with those properties again, right? They're able to express their personality through our services and, um, you know, they have a, a distressed asset that is totally transformed and modernized, meet theirs, it's their vision for what they want. That's the neat part about painting, right? Is there's instant gratification around the before and after. And, you know, our whole sales process is around customer service. So, you know, when you have this estate, think of a top third of home value property in the market. These are, you know, uh, estates. Um, you know, the, the transformations are neat in themselves. There's instant gratification there. But, you know, our whole process is capitalizing on that tangible transformation by helping them experience an emotional experience, which is our brand promise, right? Helping them fall in love with their property again in a new way. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, that's consumer facing. I can go into a lot of detail on the entrepreneur side or uh, obviously the the sales folks and, you know, craftsmen that we work with, but it, yeah, that's the work that we do. We change lives through um, our business and we impact communities as a result. Yeah. It is so neat to kind of like hear you unpack the way in which you consider that the service that you're doing is not only just like a needed and, and important, just, you know, got to upkeep the property kind of thing, but also just this provi- provision of beauty uh, is is really kind of neat to, to hear you kind of say that, that, you know, we're doing doing beautiful things to with beautiful people for beautiful people and that's a and and you just said that's a mindset going into the the into the whole process uh and i I think that's that's really cool to kind of see you know there's there's a there's something unique to that i I don't think that people would would necessarily just immediately seize upon but when you guys kind of inculcate that with your with your people your craftsmen and this that, that you're delivering a value that is beyond just you know an adhesive on a wall, but rather is a provision of a provision of something beautiful is uh, for someone who is also beautiful is is kind of unique. That's interesting. I, I, I don't. I, it's obvious that you put a lot of thought into that. I appreciate that. That's really cool. I've had tremendous advisors around me. Our our chief marketing officer is a Harvard grad, Wharton School. Or no, he went to NYU uh, MBA, but. Um, he worked with P and G for 18 years and yeah, he, he really taught and pulled out a lot of our branding and messaging and the way mm-hmm. that we market, you know, I was a marketing major. I thought I knew what I was doing until you know, <laughs> I, I, I worked with Gary and he's worked with a lot of national, uh, companies. He's done a lot of brand development. Um, but he helped us understand that, Hey, look, a lot of companies market based on features, like mm-hmm. we show up, we do a good job. We answer our phone you know, X, Y, Z, but, you know, next level marketing is creating an emotional connection with the consumer and moving them. So, you know, if our, if our messaging is helping folks fall in love with their home and expressing their personality through our services um, and doing that through our technology and, you know, the, the 40 plus services that we offer, uh, that's a different way of talking about the business. Yeah. And, and hey, we've, we standardize high grade solutions nationally. And, you know, we work with, you know, the, the best talent in the market and, you know, that those are great, but those are the expectation. 
Um, yeah. And you look at all the great brands, uh, you know, they're, they're doing a great job of creating an emotional connection to the brand. Right. And then when you infuse our Christian and our values into it, yeah, that, that's kind of what you get with mine. That's really cool to hear. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see if there's a, I didn't look this up, if there was a Lime franchise in our, in our uh, St. Louis area where I reside, but I may have to do that now. <laughs> well, thank you for that. And uh, I, I want to, you know, kind of, as we, as we kind of proceed toward the end game here, I want to uh, ask you a couple more questions. And uh, one is, one is really about like, you've, you've gone through a pretty substantial journey and really it sounds like, you know, on some level, you started this business as a college student and you've, and this has been your life. I mean, that is your career. And I'm curious, you know, and you've been doing this now for 15 years. I know I've, I've been in engineering since, you know, well, uh, about a little longer than that, uh, but not much longer. And I, I definitely, if I were to, you know, give some advice to my younger self, boy, would I have some things to say. I'm wondering if, if you might have something similar, especially given the length of this particular career, this particular business that you spent so much time in. What would you tell your younger self if you, in terms of advice about work, about business, about the way in which your faith plays into that? Uh, what kinds of things would you say to yourself if you could you know, go back in time? <laughs> There's not a lot I would do differently, frankly. I, I guess I would tell myself to think even bigger. So, you know, I, a lot of what I do is, you know, I, I love the details and, you know, I can be one and two and three year minded. I would have told myself to think more tenure, right? I had heard so much in college that the world changes so fast in two, three years and that 10 years nowadays for business is irrelevant. And, in, you know, in my business classes, I'm being taught that a lot of times they throw out 10 year business plans or visions or projections. But the reality is it's so important to build the business with a 10-year vision. Really? Uh, not that we've made any catastrophic mistakes as a result, but I definitely think that uh, we could have built the business in, in an even uh, better way, having a 10-year point of view versus a one, two, three-year point of view. Uh, that's something that comes to mind. Interesting. Yeah, there's kind of like the mantra that we've heard, I think, from like Jeff Bezos and, and uh, at Amazon saying, you know, what are the things that are never going to change about uh, about business? And so that kind of focusing in on, okay, well, what we know that nobody is going to stop wanting to fall in love with their home again. So how do we, you know, that, that could, I could see how that would make kind of a difference for you guys. Yeah. Well, as, as we, uh, before we draw to a close here, Nick, I, I want to give you kind of a final opportunity to, you know, if you have a, a specific kind of personal message that you would want to get out to people listening today who are thinking about going into business, going into industry, going into entrepreneurship, uh, what would you say as words of encouragement to them or things to think about or any kind of, I don't know, closing message that uh, lessons from your career or lessons from just your general life about what you would want to communicate to, the, to our listeners here today? Yeah, I would just say that, you know, fear uh, steals opportunities over weeks steals opportunities over months, steals opportunities over quarters, steals opportunities over years, and it even steals opportunities over a lifetime. That's how powerful fear is. And fear never comes and says, hey, I'm fear. Fear shows up as, hey, there's a recession right around the corner. 
hey, there's, uh, you know, Uncle Charlie has some good points about why I shouldn't pursue entrepreneurship. But there's that small, still voice whispering and nudging you to pursue entrepreneurship. It's so paramount to identify fear and to develop that uh, skill set to slay fear. Uh, you know, you're going to, uh, throughout your career, progress in seasons where there's uncertainty. And generally, that's when you're on the, on the brink of doing something pretty special. And whatever that whispering voice is in your ear, again, it isn't, doesn't come and say, hey, I'm fear. It whispers to you as, hey, there's a recession coming. Hey, the labor force isn't great right now. Hey, that industry is not great for this reason. Amazon's going to pursue that space. Whatever it may be, you know, developing the um, skill set to operate in uncertainty is the core of being an entrepreneur. And um, the folks that you lead will pick up on whether you're leading in confidence or fear. And your decision making will be a lot clearer. And your ability to do whatever you're doing is going to happen a lot faster when you can make informed decisions without all of the answers. So I'm not saying gamble. I'm saying do your due diligence, but learn to identify what's the difference between due diligence and fear. What is your personal fear character? How does it nudge you? How does it move you? How does it cool you down? That's another part. You're on the brink of, you know, breaking a ceiling professionally, but also there's a thermometer in your life where if you're used to operating at 75 degrees and life cools down to 55 in terms of results and progress, you're gonna you're gonna heat right back up to 75. You're not gonna stand for 55 degrees. But as soon as it goes to 95, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Let's cool back down to 75. <laughs> So, you know, those are, those are moments of navigating fear and performing in the midst of not having all the answers, but making informed decisions. Again, not talking about gambling, but yeah, I would just speak to fear, right? And, and being that this is a Christian show, who is the ultimate deceiver? Who is the enemy? Yeah, the evil one is always at our door in that respect and is, is the one who's providing that fear. But we're not given a spirit of fear, right? But you're tempted. Yeah. Yeah, and we can fall into that. But like the the spirit of fear is not what we've been getting, but the spirit of power. And so I think that you're you're definitely living that out. And I and boy, do I appreciate, you know, hearing hearing your words of encouragement there. So thank you so much for for that. Um, before we Before we go... Let's uh, let's review one last thing. And how is it uh, that people can learn more about Lime Painting? Where can they find you online, uh, both as your business or if you've got other uh, other ways to either get in contact with your business via social media or follow you on Twitter or something? Where, where, would, they, where would we find you? Sure. Um, you can check us out. Um, we have a show called The Level Up Show with Nick Lopez, where we talk about... Um, you know, thought leaders in business, franchising, and high-performance personal development. Uh, that's a great show on any platform. Uh, just look up, you know, Level Up Show with Nick Lopez. 
Uh, additionally, if you search any, if you search on any platform, the hashtag get lined, uh, you'll be able to find uh, great content on the business, uh, livepainting.com, livepaintingfranchise.com. And uh, you can check me out on LinkedIn. I'm very active on there. Uh, really any social platforms for that matter. Um, and then you can always shoot me an email. Uh, it's nick at limepainting.com. Awesome. Well, Nick, once again, thank you for being here and for sharing your life, your business with us. Uh, that's, it's been a, a pleasure and an honor to have you here, sir. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. And we'll see you all next time on Faith Ventures. Mm-hmm.